Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us dealing with a loved one with memory loss. If you listened to my teaser episode, you know that I have a mom with Alzheimer's, and I'm also the granddaughter and great-granddaughter of women who suffered from memory loss. Through my experiences with both my mom and grandma, I've learned how important it is to plan ahead. It's not a subject we want to discuss at all. But trust me, it's a lot better than being plunged into an emergency with no plan of action. That happened to my mom's family when my grandfather died and to my family when my father ended up in the hospital for a month and then home on hospice. It's my goal with the first season of Fading Memories to help families navigate the emotions and challenges when faced with a diagnosis of dementia, Alzheimer's, or some other serious health issue. But first, let me give you a little background on my family's issues with memory loss. I was probably a young teenager when my mom would tell me about my great-grandmother. I'd hear stories about how she'd fill a plastic bowl full of water and put it on the stove to boil. Mom would talk about how my grandmother would have to drive at least an hour to take care of her mom. All of this while my grandma had teenagers of her own at home. I was almost 30 when my grandmother started having her own memory issues, and when I look back on it, I'm really surprised that she and my grandfather didn't have a plan of action since she had gone through this with her mom. Denial is definitely not a good plan, but it seems to run in my family. My poor grandfather contracted cancer, and he fought it really hard because, as he said to his kids, I have to live to take care of your mother. Obviously, he knew something was going on with her before the rest of the family. Of course, she outlived him, and my aunt eventually took care of her mom till the day she died. That so-called plan ruined my aunt financially. I look back over the family history now, and I'm a little shocked to realize that I think my mom was probably starting to have signs of her own illness about the same time my grandmother was in obvious cognitive decline. This was in the late 90s, early 2000s. My mom must have suspected that she had memory issues because she became very good at hiding the signs of them. We had a family business together, and one day I said, Mom, you used to have daffy moments a couple of times a week, but now you're having them a couple of times a day, and I really don't know what to do. Mom just shrugged off my concerns. One big issue with the business was Mom would sometimes take orders from clients, not write down any of the details, then forget what they had requested. Needless to say, it became painfully obvious that I had to check in on what Mom was discussing with clients to avoid having to call them later and get the details on what they'd asked for. One day, I found a new order that Mom had taken with absolutely no instructions on it, so I asked her about it. She looked at it and said, I didn't take that order, our employee did. Ha, yipe, was that a stunning moment, because Mom and the employee had very different handwriting. I didn't know what, if anything, I could have done at that point. I know Mom had told me she didn't want to end up like her mother. (laughs) That wasn't a fun conversation, because at that point, I was pretty sure that is exactly what was going to happen. My parents retired in early 2005, and while I was relieved I wouldn't have to be watching over everything she did without her being aware of it, I also worried that the lack of daily stimulation of clients, employees, and meaningful work would accelerate her memory loss. 
I wanted mom to have the time to do the things she enjoyed, so I accepted that their retirement was a good thing overall. About 18 months later, my dad ended up on dialysis, and to be honest, it was at this point we should have had a family discussion about their end-of-life wishes and plans for mom if dad were to go first, which is of course what happened. I'll never know or understand what motivated my parents to go on as normal because we never had a conversation about any of their wishes or plans. About two and a half years later, mom went through all the testing to see if she could donate a kidney to dad, but was rejected due to cognitive issues. This was the summer of 2008. I thought it was then that she was formally diagnosed, but to my complete surprise, I just recently learned course, this is 2018, that she wasn't formally diagnosed until September of 2011. Dad got a new kidney in March of 2009, and I'm pretty sure mom refused to go to the doctor about her memory, thinking mostly correctly that there wasn't a lot they could do. There are things you can do to prevent or slow the progression of Alzheimer's, which we'll discuss in all the upcoming episodes. So getting diagnosed early and doing everything you can is truly better than ignoring such a serious issue. As I contemplate having my own testing done, I understand fully the fear that prevents most of us from taking action. I don't have any outward signs of cognitive issues, but even so, fear is making me reluctant to even get a baseline brain analysis. I will get the test. Getting this podcast off the ground has taken more time than I thought I'd need, so I'm behind on a lot of things. When I do get the test, I hope to make it part of an episode to hopefully alleviate the fears that we all have. But that's in the future. I need to finish telling you about my past. From spring 2009, things seemed to progress as normally as aging seems to progress until the summer of 2016. Dad started talking about planning for the end. I was aware his donated kidney was not functioning well, and I knew he didn't want to go back on dialysis. I should have sat him down then and there and asked what plans were in place for mom. What did he want for his end-of-life care and other important details? In my defense, I was dealing with a broken collarbone from a bicycle accident, a husband running for city council, and I foolishly thought we had a couple of years left with dad, but that was not the case. Dad seemed pretty normal on November 1st, 2016, when I had lunch with them, and again on the 8th when I texted him about hubby's election loss. It was when I returned from my 50th birthday vacation at the end of November that I returned to a nightmare I didn't expect and was fully unprepared to handle. Dad thought it was 1998. I honestly didn't know what was wrong or what we needed to do, so we forced him to the hospital. I know now that he should have been on dialysis for at least a month, probably longer, and he thought he'd pass within a couple of weeks without it. Taking him to the hospital wasn't what he wanted, but we didn't know that, and what else were we supposed to do? Going back to the summer, when he was talking about making plans for the end, I should have been aware of what he was thinking, but I wasn't. That forced our family to make decisions many that felt like life-or-death ones, in a panicked state of mind. After a month in the hospital, Dad was suddenly released, and I had to find caregivers within 24 hours while dealing with my mom, who totally didn't understand what the heck was going on. 
This is why my first season is focused on what to do when you realize you have dementia or Alzheimer's or if a family member does. Having to make such important decisions in a rush is horrible, and I'm thankful that I had contacts and friends who were able to help me through that stressful time. Fading Memories is that friend when you don't know where else to turn. If you go to our webpage, you can record a voice message with questions or suggestions or just to reach out to someone on the same journey as you. I'll do my best to answer questions and concerns in upcoming episodes or privately, whichever is most appropriate. While my dad was on hospice and our parents had caregivers 24-7, my sister and I had to figure out what we'd do with mom when dad was gone. He assumed she'd come live with me, but up until a month before he died, I didn't even have a spare bedroom and it would be impossible to work from home like I do while supervising my mom. It would have been so much easier if we had talked about the options and what was realistic before his memory went bad, because to this day, I'm still angry at him for making more assumptions than plans. Thankfully, we found a terrific memory care community for mom. She got to keep her dog, and she's doing great. There will be episodes about the dog, her name is Misty, later on in the season. The transition to a memory community was rough for all of us. I'm pretty sure that day was worse than the day my dad died. Mom cried. She didn't understand why we were doing such a horrible thing to her. She thought she didn't belong in a place like that. You know, a really nice, brightly and naturally lit place. A place that let her keep her dog despite the challenges involved. A place that protects her, cares for her every need. No, she didn't want to be there at all. While I understood how she felt, she'd lived in her home for just under 47 years. (laughs) It was a necessary move. To be honest, I thought it would take a long time for mom to acclimate, longer than the two months that the executive director of the community suggested. But you know what? He was right. I showed up one day to visit, and mom was trailing behind a woman who needed to use the phone. When mom saw me, she asked me to come with her because she had to, quote, help her friend. Hearing that had to be almost as good as hearing I'd won the Jumbo Lotto, which I haven't done, so those were some of the best words I'd heard ever. Mom is happy, has friends to spend time with, her dog to fuss over, and she's well cared for. This is the kind of planning that both my parents refused to consider. I get that to a point, it's expensive, and at first glance, a memory community can seem like a place you dump your family member in some sort of selfish manner. But I've learned over the last year that this living situation is best for everyone. As I mentioned before, I work from home, so I'd have to hire a caregiver to deal with mom so I could go about doing what I need to do. Living with me would give mom very little socialization, something that's important for everyone's mental health. I'm not sure how I'd make my house a safe place for someone with Alzheimer's to live. If you lean against my stove, it's easy to ignite the burners, and we back up to over 350 acres of open space. Just thinking about the hazardous possibilities is terrifying. Had my parents done even a little research, maybe they would have realized an assisted living or memory care community isn't such a horrible place at all. There are a lot of benefits, and I do have an upcoming episode where I talk to the director and a resident 
and I think anyone concerned about such places will find that episode truly helpful. My sister and I are still learning how to navigate our new normal now that we have to take care of mom as well as take care of all her paperwork, appointments, etc. It's a tough road because we know she'll continue to get worse, but we have a plan in place that should cover her for the rest of her life, allowing her to live with dignity and happiness. During my first season of this podcast, I'll do my best to inject as many personal stories as possible. I'm working on an episode I call Misty Tales. It's about mom's dog, the challenges and benefits of having a dog in a memory community. Trust me, there are some good stories with her. So follow along with Fading Memories for advice and stories about dealing with a loved one with memory loss. We'll go on this journey together and hopefully we'll be able to help each other along the way. So click the subscribe button so that you'll be notified of each new episode. At this point, I expect them to be released on Tuesdays, and I will let you know if that changes. Thanks for listening, and I appreciate you coming along the journey with me of Fading Memories.